You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. What up, everybody? Sunday was popping, was popping. I'm your host, Al Mega. This is another Comic Crusaders Podcast. Welcome, one and all. Check it out. Yeah, we have another awesome independent comic book creator. I mean, this this dude has been doing stuff. He got some comics, graphic novels. He he's been in the business, man. He's been grinding as an independent comic book creator because you know that's what we celebrate here in the Comic Crusaders podcast. Please welcome the one and only JP Platt. What's going on, Papa? How are you doing today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. How you doing? I'm doing awesome, brother. Thanks for actually hanging out today and talking a little bit about your journey, what you got popping off. Because I yeah, you're an amazing creator, man. So let, let, let's get learning over here about what you're doing in, in the business. So just a little bit about yourself, man. What's your background? Where are you from, kiddo? Uh, so I'm originally from uh, Philadelphia. I kind of moved out to the West Coast of the United States to go to school. Um, my journey is basically, you know, I read comics as a kid. I kind of put it to the back burner for a while. And then as I went out and kind of studied, like, classic literature – um, I ended up studying comics again and like kind of coming back to it. And it Wait, basically how, how do you study comics? What do you mean? So you go from classes to studying comics? Do you mean in college? They had you studying comics? Oh yeah, comic studies. That's a thing. Oh really? Awesome. I don't know how much of it. I don't know how much of it. You know, people would like as far as you know doing deep dive analysis on comic books. Some people have different kind of feelings about that and. <laughs> like the psychology of Superman and all that. But doing that caused me to kind of like give it a second look as far as, um, you know, relating classic literature to comic books and kind of coming to the realization that, you know, comics matter. They're, they're worthy of being, you know, put on that same kind of pedestal. Absolutely. Yay. Yeah. bro, preach brother. Preach. Actually. Yeah. Where's your collar? What's that? Yeah. (laughs) And then as I started like one and one into, you know, doing my own storytelling, I found the comics were just kind of like the perfect fit for me because, you know, I'm not interested in writing a 50,000 word novel. You know, I'm more in, it just comics just kind of felt like a kind of natural fit for my style of storytelling and being able to kind of concisely fit things, you know, just that perfect size, that perfect little story, you know, that people can pick up and enjoy and put down again. What was that first bite, though? When you got into it, what was the, the, the first thing that caught you eye? Um, so it was an old English author by the name of Sir Philip Sidney uh, from like the 1500s. And he wrote this book that was just like a series of poems. Even though it was poetry, it was telling one cohesive narrative. Um, so that was like an example of somebody putting you know something different into a different kind of a form. Um, and so that's, you know, my first book, Eudaimonia, that's basically kind of the same thing. It's basically, it's a World War One, it's a war story, um, but it's a series of poems put onto a, you know, into a graphic novel. And, you know, I got a lot of great feedback. I got a lot of good, uh, it was a huge, helpful and wonderful response to it. And I just, you know, been keeping it rolling ever since. The poetry, that was just an experiment. I'm, I'm back to doing like regular comic books. Oh, nice! But wow, that, that, that's a, a a nice segue in, into doing comics. Very different, if you will. So, how how was that? You know, that that experience of putting that into a comic form. Um, I would say it was. I mean, it was cool. It was it was more a learning experience for like 
the business of making an indie comic and, you know, all of the things that you don't think about going into it until you actually do it and all the lessons learned from that and working with artists, working with letterers, printing, fulfillment and all that. Um, I think I've reached the point where I kind of have it down packed and I'm really excited to just like keep growing Eudaimonia comics and telling weird stories the way I want to tell them. Yeah, but when was the day you decided to start doing that, though? What, what made you decide to start creating your own books and titles, you know, via your own brand? Well, it was uh, basically discovering the indie comic scene. You know, it's like it's kind of like as a kid, you know, you listen to the radio and then you discover that, like, people are just doing it themselves completely outside of the system. And it was like that, only I'm an adult. And I just there's this whole scene that I just I didn't <laughs> know existed. And so yeah, when did you and, discover it? Um, I would say about 2017. So pretty recently it was, it really wasn't okay. until I started watching, um, like comics matter with you boys act it was pretty much how I found out. Okay. About it. Gosh, it got, Oh really? Okay. So, so I'm you... late to the party is what I'm saying. No, regardless that you're late, you still, you, you still went ahead and, and put together a product. So how was that journey in putting something together, you know, you know, and, and diving in? I mean, it's a grind, man. I can't lie. But I mean, I love it. Like, I love every aspect of it. I love that I can just kind of go out there and be myself. I love that there's so many people like you who are just willing to talk to, you know, help, help, you know, everybody helping each other. Uh, I'm going to be starting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I'm kind of learning the ropes and I'm going to start my own channel. And then, you know, keep, keep doing that process of like looking for the climbers beneath you and kind of helping them up. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) yeah. Get it, get every, get everybody the help that they need, and that's what I love about it, is that everybody's been so cool. There's no shortage of people who are helpful, willing to give advice, and willing to talk shop. Well, listen, it, it's true. My I mean, my journey been a little different, but at least you know I'm always because my journey been different is why I'm always willing to always want to talk to everyone. Why not? Everybody yeah. got a business, a side hustle. Everybody got some awesome projects. I mean, poetry and comics. I mean, people dig that too. Why not? I mean, th- this is what it is. So how did you find your creative team since you are a rookie in all this, you know, starting so late in the game? How did you figure out how to build a team and where did you go? Um, I think first I went to Reddit. Um, there's plenty of artists on there. I've heard about Facebook groups. I haven't done that, but yeah, I'm mostly stuck to just like picking up people off Reddit, see who's got some good art. Um, do like a little tryout, have them do like a page here, have a couple different people do different pages and see which one kind of matches with your book, which, you know, whose art you really like and, you know, pick them up. So how's that been? Though? Have you gotten a positive response? Um, yeah. I mean, there's a couple different subreddits for it and there's always people looking to, you know, there, there are people on the other side of it, people who aren't writers who are artists or letters or colorists who are, they're doing the same thing as me. They're, they're looking for, you know, that hustle, that grind. Okay. And who's doing the writing? That is that all you? Yeah, I'm doing the, yeah, I'm doing the writing. Oh, nice. So, so what's the universe like for the brand? Um, so, Basically, no book is going is anything like any others. Um, Edimania was a kind of surreal World War One war story with all kinds of philosophy thrown in. Um, How to Die is basically um, 
my attempt at doing horror in the vein of the Max. Um, <laughs> and now this new one, Noirlum, is 1920s murder mystery detective thriller. Uh, yeah, set in Harlem. Oh, nice. So, uh, uh, do you uh, do you have a feeling for New York, Harlem? Why that? You know, narrative. So when I was in school, um, when you study, or at least I can't speak for everybody, I study literature, history, and philosophy, and those three subjects kind of you'll kind of gravitate towards certain periods of history. And for me, all three of those subjects really aligned with um, late nineteenth, early twentieth century. And the Harlem Renaissance for me is like my favorite artistic movement or actually movement for art, literature, philosophy. I just love that. that I just love the aesthetic. I love everything about it. I love the city. So, yeah, like the big goal for this book was trying to get as 1920s Harlem as close to spot on as it could be. You know what well, I mean? Like the kind of the kind of detail that like um, – like Kirby Fantastic Four New York. Like, you know how there's that much detail, like in every single background? That's what I'm looking for. I wanted to get the lingo. Um, the book is set in 1929 because there's one scene in which one of the detectives who gets slugged in the head has to put a pack of frozen peas on his head, and frozen peas came out in 1929. So 1929 oh, uh, it is. Yeah, like every single detail <laughs> has to be. So, but yeah, man. That, how that long was that research then? So, in order for you to do this book, how how, how intensive was the research you did? The era. Um, when I was writing, research and writing just kind of go hand in hand for me. So, like, I'll write and then I'll come to something. If I don't know it, I'll just start researching. You know, something that I didn't know about. You know, a half hour earlier, and I'll just do as much research as I can, whether it's like. <laughs> a lunch menu from a diner in old New York or, you know, the lingo, what the medical knowledge was like, what kind of guns were being used, everything. But was, did you have any amusing finds while you were researching that, that made you chuckle? I mean, apart from the frozen peas, um, <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. I, I, um, I sent the script before I even started doing the book. Like I had like a finished polished script done. Okay. And I sent it to somebody, like, just to give it over a read-through and just give me some kind of feedback. And he came back with this really long, like, almost a full page on how, I think I had, like, a thirty-eight, like, a thirty-eight caliber pistol in the book. And he's like, no, 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 listen here. thirty-two is what people, like, citizens would all have. Like, everybody in New York who had okay. a gun would be, <laughs> you know, working on a thirty-two. And then I had to look into, like, barrel length and whether or not oh, it's snub-nosed. Wow. Yeah. Oh wow, that's some intense stuff. So talk about the pro- you know. So that that's the current project we're talking about. Um, what's popping? It is it live now? Is it going live? What what's it? What's going on with it? I'm doing kind of a, a little bit of a longer uh, pre-launch. Um, I'm I'm looking at. I want to say January 2022 for the launch. Okay. Um, it's going to be 90 pages. It's a full complete. Um, like it's like a self-contained story. There's no like cliffhangers, so everybody's going to get like the entire thing. Um, the other thing I'm really excited about is for people who kind of jump on the mailing list and then they buy a book, um, they're going to get a Noirlum, like a brass Zippo, 
Because, you know, cigarette lighters, you can't send to the mail, but a Zippo is just a case and then the wick. And yeah, that's going to be pretty exciting. So everybody's going to get their detective Zippo. Nice. Um, And I'm looking to get as much of the book completely done and ready to print at launch. All right. So let's show people this little teaser you got going on. Let's show. Good to hear You were right. Four murders, all things similar, but nothing in common, apart from them being young ladies alone at night. White, save for Miss Gutierrez. Single gunshot, save for the two and Mrs. Masters. All of them leaving work, save for Mrs. Hurston. All long hair, past the shoulder, except for Masters. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that one. And all shot from the front, assuming they fell back, save for Hurston. Any idea what type of gun was used? Cartridges found at the scene for Masters and Gutierrez, 38. Well, that's no help. Can't swing a cat in Manhattan Town without hitting one of those. But still, it tells us something. Masters and Gutierrez were the first two, meaning he wasn't picking up cartridges, but now he is. He's learning. So you believe me, then? This is one person. I wouldn't say I believe you just yet. Frankly, it's irrelevant. Well, how's that? Because if you're wrong, then it's just time wasted. But if you're right, it means we have four days to get this bastard before he strikes again. And the music brought down. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all that silence at the end. Yeah, that, 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 what happened? Oh no! Like the 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 jazz just keeps on playing, but I didn't want to cut it off, so I just let it keep playing into the into the darkness. I know, man. It, it was wonderful music, bro. So, who's the artist, man? That art looks slamming, son. Yeah, so that's uh, Roel Roque. Um, yeah, he does the, he does do really good art. Um, I hate putting I, I like I need I wanted to put a teaser up, but I kind of hate the fact that it's in black and white because it is going to be in color, and the color is going to look gorgeous. Um, but I just wanted to start getting something out there, just kind of get the hype train rolling. No, it, it is. A, it looks fantastic, and I can't wait to see it in color. The, who's doing the coloring yourself, or do you oh, have a team member for that? Miriam Vassar, I believe her name is. Oh, epa, nice. How did you build this team, man? Also, how did you find how did you find her? Uh, Reddit. Everything Reddit, really? Yeah. Wow. What 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 a revenue source for you? <laughs> I mean, I hate for, the uh, website, but you know, nice. I mean, you can find people there. That's good networking. Hell yeah, good shit, bro. So, do you have kind of? So you said twenty twenty two. Uh, do you have any ideas of, 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 of any rewards and going, you know, anything for people that, you know, contribute to the crowdfunding platform? Do you know, do you have a X amount in mind thus far? So, no, not really. Um, I just kind of roll with it and, you know, kind of build the audience. Um, now that I have like a bit of a back catalog going, I have, you know, back issues that people can jump on with. And yeah, I'm just trying to kind of like build that audience, get more people to 
check out the work and uh but as far as like perks and things like that there's going to be the zippo and then there's going to be a perk that i wish i could talk about but i i just can't <laughs> can't tease you said the tease bro so what it what it's going to be is it's going to be an interactive perk okay. meaning that there's going to when people are reading the book they're going there's going to be something there in the book that's going to interact with the reader and it's not like a choose your own adventure or multiple you know ending kind of thing what happens on the page is what the book is going to do to the reader they're going uh, to experience that kind of add-on in the same way that the character does um and that's all i can really say about it for now oh, like i'm really wow. excited about it i just can't talk about it it's just it's an interactive perk I love it. I love tech and comics, bro. So I can't wait till it's released and then I need you back so we could talk about how the hell did you do that? <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, when you decide kind of to do those different type of things. What do you mean? You know, to kind of do that as a perk, do something like that. Um, It is... Okay, so this book was inspired by a bunch of murder mysteries and there's one called Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, and it's an Australian murder mystery show. Mm-hmm. Also takes place in the 20s, but there's just this moment at the end of the first episode that I, again, I can't tell you about because then I'll be spoiling the book. Okay. But there's just this really perfect moment where I think it, it just perfectly sets up the character, not just for the end of this story, but where the, bo- where the, where the story is going to go from there. And this kind of sets up like future events with this like just perfect moment. And a lot of my books are are a lot of the, the stories that I create are being in conversation with another work that inspired me, and something new is created out of that inspiration. So that's what this thing that I can't talk about came from. <laughs> I love it. So next year, and I gotta keep watching my back over here, make sure nobody bust in, kicking my ass. <laughs> like, are you trying to make them talk? No, no, no I'm not forcing you, JP. <laughs> Just want to clarify that. So you say you have these stories. So how far ahead are you story wise? Then, I mean, what's oh, the universe looking like for you? So the future, yeah, I have more. I have, I probably have more stories at this point than I have years. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> After this one, um, I have a story about late, what is it, cowboys towards the end of the time of cowboys okay. versus gangsters from the earliest years of gangsters. Oh, that's cool. I like that. And it'd be probably somewhere in like the Midwest where outside of Chicago where the really American gangster scene is starting to starting to simmer. And it would be that kind of like clash between cowboys and gangsters, which is something I've never seen before. And I think there's a lot that could be done there with. I like it. Yeah. I like, I like the hell out of it right now, bro. I'm digging it. I would love to see it. I, I'm a fan of both. So I'm digging that possible clash of morals there between the both of them. Yeah. I mean, the, the aging cowboys would definitely be the protagonists and the, the gangsters would be the villains. Of course. You know, but it would be gangsters, almost man. like that um, for the cowboys. It's like, you know, this era is coming to an end, yeah. but they really need to go out with a bang. You know like, what I mean? That, like on that unforgiven shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's really, I mean, yeah. Unforgiven, but not as just like soul crushingly depressing. 
<laughs> give us some hope. I got you. Give it a shining star somewhere. I feel you, brother. That's great, man. What What is it that keeps you so so creative and consistent in your creativity? I mean, where do you pull so much inspiration and energy from? I mean, it's kind of like what I said. It's like I see something. Um, I can appreciate it and I can enjoy it, but there's always a part of me that wants to, like, I wanted to have made that. So if something really grabs me, it's something that I can use to make something that is going to be different because obviously it has to be. But being in conversation with the other things that inspires me is where my inspiration comes from, basically. Gotcha. And uh, have you ever used Kickstarter? And if not, why choose Indiegogo with Kickstarter being so big? I don't really like the interface on Kickstarter all that much. Um, and yeah, you know, I'd be lying. It's a little bit of peer pressure. Like everybody, <laughs> everybody's using Indiegogo uh, that, that I follow. Um, okay. There's the fact that you can go in demand. There's the flexible goal. Nice. Um, I don't love Indiegogo, but it's a little bit better than Kickstarter for me. Gotcha. Uh, so uh, you found good success on the, on the platform. Yeah, I just, want, I just want our independent creators to be aware of good platforms to to share their wares. Should it be so? Is, is it a better return than Kickstarter? Again, I I don't have projects, so you know you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think you get to keep a little bit more on Indiegogo than you do on Kickstarter. Um, I'm also not all that familiar with Kickstarter's like pre-launch, but I love that on Indiegogo I can make a page. And get people interested in it. You know, I'm I'm pretty high up on the the coming soon queue on Indiegogo. Um, you can get people because really, if, if you're not doing a pre-launch page, you're and you haven't already done a few projects, you're probably not. You're probably going to drown. You're not going to get any attention. That that pre-launch thing is like everything. Was that a lesson you had to learn the hard way? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my first campaign, after like a couple days, I was like hitting people up that I knew, like, oh, get the book, get the book. But then over time, once people got that first book, it was like the audience kind of developed from there. Gotcha. So what, what other than that, was there any other stumbling blocks you had in your journey that you could share with others? Um, Not really. I mean, I wouldn't call myself, you know, massively successful. Um, But... It's I want to pretty... talk about that. Wait a minute. Let's talk about it. so. How many campaigns have you done? You know, overall. Um, technically four, but really three. Uh, and how many have have made it? Oh, well, oh, they all did. But oh, I mean, what, what I'm saying go. is, in the in the grand scheme, like, okay, picture a mountain, right? Okay. And like, there's people that are at the. Hang on, I gotta get this right. There's people at the top of the mountain, <laughs> and, and this is the slope here. I'm about here but most everybody is way below like it's an iceberg it's like an iceberg that goes like way below the surface so like i'm doing good but there's just a lot above me and there's a lot below me so i could probably teach you know i could probably show like guide people and provide you know guidance for it but i'm still on that journey myself i'm still looking up at a lot of mountain it's good though. You got to share that journey though, so that way people are aware, you know. Because again, you've had four successful campaigns, so you know what? That's awesome on you, kiddo. I mean, not many are able to say that, so you know, kudos on you there, kid. Good for you. 
you know, how, how was your first win? How, how did that feel like when you did your first campaign and it got funded? How did you feel? The first campaign, uh, that was, it, it was a good feeling, but at the same time, it's like, um, I'm kind of, kind of like crazed about certain things. So when the campaign <laughs> ended, it was successful, but at the same time, it was also like, all right, I owe these people books. Okay. So it wasn't really like I went out and, you know, had a steak dinner or anything like that. It was like, okay, now we got to get these books made. Now we got to get them shipped out. And that is like, that's a whole new level of stress. But at the same time, um, that process of being able to, for example, pack up a book that you made from scratch to send to somebody in Ireland who <laughs> wanted to read your book and was willing to give it a chance. That's like one of the best feelings in the world. Um, no matter what I do, I'm always going to be my own shipping department because that's something that it, it makes the journey worthwhile. Like that process of just like putting the book in, making sure it's secure, taping it, doing a, it's, it's like, it's like crack, you know? <laughs> I love it, man. See, that is great. I, I, I'm digging it, bro. I mean, four projects in, that's fantastic. And, and doing that from the get. Uh, and this one again, going live. You said next year, twenty twenty-two. Yep. Right. I can't wait. I mean, you, you, it's passionate. Is there anything else even beyond that that we could talk about? Um, what do you mean? On the side, are you doing anything else? Any other projects? I mean, I have a, um, I have a, a YouTube channel that I periodically dip in and out on. Ooh, um, what do you do there? It's like creative nonfiction. Okay. So like I'll tell stories about, you know, creative nonfiction is taking things that happened and then like zhuzhing them up into something interesting. And so, yeah. yeah like It's I'll, called the news nowadays. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, so I'll have like, I'll do these videos about, you know, when I was a professional poker player or just, you know, going to a strip club in New Orleans, you know, whatever. And just doing these little little kind of pieces and trying to make it like something interesting for people. Were you, to, uh, were you a poker player and did you go to strip clubs in New Orleans? Yeah. You did? Yeah. All right. <laughs> how was the poker side of it, brother? I don't um, play poker. I needed to learn how to play. Could, so for about... Kill everybody. Yeah, so for about in the ballpark of like two-ish years, oh, right. uh, my job was just to play poker on the internet. Um, oh, wow. I got pretty, yeah, like I, I grinded it. It, it was like a, it was <laughs> like any other job. Like I would wake up in the morning, grind for a set amount of hours. You know, it's, it's a lot like, um, stock trading or like okay. day trading where you're just like, you're not, you're not doing anything wild. You're just grinding out that little bit of money. Um, I had a bankroll at like somewhere in the area of like 25 K at some oh, point, yeah, nice. but I mean, my bills were paid. I was doing good. And then I woke up one morning to, um, a message from the U.S. Department of Justice, and it was all illegal. Ah, uh, <laughs> damn! And so I went. For, yeah, so I ended up. Uh, once I got that money out, I, that was when I went back to school, basically. But you ain't getting no trouble, I hope. Not your no, fault. it was just the U.S. Department of Justice decided because it's still it, it's at the time it only became legal in the United States. It was still legal everywhere else. Okay, and. Man, damn, <laughs> thank God you took it out, bro. You're a small man. 
Because I let a guy piss. What you mean, son? I, I don't know nothing about this business. I was just having fun. <laughs> oh, man. I know that, bro. I love you. Independent creator doing your business, bro. So, you know, please again pronounce that for me again. Uh, Eudaimonia. 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 It's a word from ancient Greek philosophy, and it basically means the good life. The life that's... Can I ask, why was philosophy so important to you in your education? Um, I think of philosophy as just being... Philosophy, history, and literature are all... I love like these, Yeah, they're like these three things that are kind of all intertwined with one another. Um, okay. the, the, and, the trilogy of it. Trinity. Yeah. That's yeah, the holy trinity of... Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm looking at, the, looking at the past. I love it. So uh, are we going to do any other books? That, come on, man. I, I, I want more. I know you're doing other stuff. I, I'm trying to pick that. Trying, trying to get more. I'm trying to fish you here. Come on. We're going to get um, other old school stuff, being a history buff. Are we going to get any Conan-ish type story tales, any fantasy from you? That's a little bit further back um, than I typically go. Okay. But I just I just think it's really fascinating. So my first book was World War I. Um, nice. And now this one's, you know, 1920s Harlem. And it's just really fascinating to me that you had these two artistic movements going on at the exact same time in history, that they have almost nothing to do with one another. Um, but like that, yeah, in uh, my first book, Eudaimonia, there was one of the the things that got the thing that got unlocked was a little side story called the Harlem Hellfighter. So this book, if anybody, the people who got that book, this shouldn't really be a surprise to anybody. The Harlem Hellfighter um, is based off of. It was the only group of black soldiers that fought in the in World War One for the United States, mm-hmm. um, and it's a. But now it's like I have that character in my back pocket to maybe use in the future for like Ooh. a New Orleans number two. Ooh. But yeah, it's cool because I have all these properties now, and I can, you know, whatever I want to do next. You know, I, so I have How to Die came out, then New Orleans, um, How to Die number two is kind of mapped out. Eudaimonia number three after that, and then, yeah, just keep building. The man is at work. You got to hook you up with Multiverse so you could, uh, you know, even populate more on those IPs and make some bank on the blockchain, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what we got to do, brother. Keep helping Indy blow up. You're awesome, brother, uh, JP. I I love it. You're a man that that has a vision. You have a great product. Folks, there you go. Sign up for the Indigo Project. That's all you got to look for right there. All right, sign up now. Get ready for the announcement so that way you could throw in your bucks. And if you want to keep updated, that's the only way you got to go right here, right here on Twitter. You know, let them know. Comic Crusader sent you. Follow, show the love, show the support. This is an amazing independent creator, man. I, I love it, man. I can't, I can't wait to to see what else you keep doing. You, you really are somebody that, that's hungry. I love it. I love fellow entrepreneurs, my friend. <laughs> yeah, so with uh with Noirlum, I already I already mentioned I put a lot of you know, a lot of thought into nineteen twenties New York. The other time thing I spent a bunch of time on is really trying to craft a mystery. You know what I mean? Because this mysteries those things, they never go anywhere. Like 
it's a genre that never dies. There's always tons of, you know, whether it's books or comics or TV shows or movies, it's something that just never goes away. We, it's something that draws us in. So this mystery, um, really proud of it. Really proud of how, uh, I spent a lot of time crafting this kind of story where as a reader, you're going to see all those little nibbles, those little pieces. And then at the end, only the main character, Coleman Carmichael, is able to kind of put it all together. But it's not going to be one of those bad mysteries where the main character just kind of pulls stuff out of nowhere. It's going to be something where you're going to be able to look back and read it again and be like, how did I miss that? Or maybe you just see it in like a different light than you saw it the first time. But yeah, so a lot of work goes into that. It's basically a story of the Hudson River Killer. It is a serial killer in New York in the 1920s. And... Coleman Carmichael, you know, a consummate learner, somebody who like does like part-time teaching, part-time tutoring, but just always grinding for more knowledge. He always wants to know something new. And he ends up uh, just kind of meeting this police detective and the two of them kind of piece together these murders that just, they seem disparate, but in reality, they're all connected. And then the hunt is on and they're off to catch the killer. Hey, folks, if that doesn't catch your interest, I don't know what will. Right there, folks. Look, sign up. Get to know it right now. ASAP. Follow JP. All right? You know what to do. JP, thank you, man, uh, for taking some time out today. we have a busy schedule. And, you know, as you work and, and grind to talk with us about, your, you know, your journey and the business. So the only thing I want to leave off is what is the best advice you would give, you know, creators? Now that you have, like, four, you know, fully funded, you know, campaigns, what type of advice can you keep give, you know, creators on the same journey? I would say to take the craft of creation, whether it's writing, whether it's art, whether you're doing both, um, don't overlook writing. Don't overlook the craft of writing. I know comics are a visual medium. Um, but without the writing, you just have, you know, some pictures that might be cool, but the story is just as important as that art. So take that craft, take the time it takes to compose a story and it is composition. Take that seriously. Um, and people will take your book seriously. And that's some truth right there, folks. That's, that, that is some truth. Take yourself seriously, and they will speak that shit onto the world. That's the truth. JP, then, thanks again for joining me, hanging out. Thank I'm you, Matt brother. Omega. This is another Comic Crusaders podcast that I just told you what to do with the exception of, of course, please visit our comic shop at comiccrusaders.shop and also our swag shop at comiccrusaders.us. Other than that, you guys all enjoy your evening. Hasta próxima. Later, guys. Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today.